1: We are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL for FanRag Sports. And you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers, and you can find all of the podcast content at LockedOnPackers.com. It is Friday of Tampa Bay Buccaneers Week. The four and seven Tampa Bay Buccaneers travel to the five and six Green Bay Packers at Lambeau Field. Sunday afternoon, and both teams are going to be banged up. That's why we do this extra podcast so that we can go over the lineups, a lot of of injury news coming out of practice on Friday for the Buccaneers and the non-practice for the Packers on Friday. There will be practice for the Packers on Saturday, and Aaron Rodgers could be there. Now, by the time you're listening to this, that may have been borne out already. That may be turned out to be not true. But it sounds like barring a setback between now and tomorrow, Rodgers is going to try and practice. That would give him two weeks to get ready to come back for Carolina in mid-December. That is hugely encouraging news. Now, first order of business is to win the game on Sunday. But this has to be a boost for this Packers team who, frankly, needs one. Unless you're into Pyrrhic victories, then the loss on Sunday is disheartening. It certainly pushed them under 500, and it makes the hole that they have to climb out of deeper. They have talked openly this week about running the table, about winning the final five. They, they understand they can't be a playoff team if they don't win the final five. Now, you can't win five if you don't win one. So that's where Green Bay is right now. Getting Aaron Rodgers back doesn't help them win on Sunday, and it doesn't help them beat the Browns next week. They have to win these next two games to make it even matter that Aaron Rodgers comes back, in all likelihood. But we don't know what's going to happen around the rest of the league. The Panthers have a brutal schedule to close. So do the Seahawks. The Lions, maybe not so much, but they have a difficult game against Baltimore this week. They still have to go to Cincinnati. I don't think anyone would be surprised if they dropped one or both of those games. Cincinnati's playing much better since the Packers played them early in the year. And we know what Baltimore's defense looks like. I don't think it'd be crazy if Detroit lost to Chicago. This is who the Bear, this is who the Lions are. They're a weird team. They've always been a weird team, and they're the ones that choked in 2013 to get the Packers in when Rodgers broke his collarbone the last time. Now none of those are likely scenarios, but there are still scenarios where Green Bay gets in at nine and seven. Zach Cruz tweeted out a scenario Friday that Green Bay could get in at eight eight if some things happen. Seattle essentially has to lose out for that to happen. But look, their schedule is brutal. And no Cam Chancellor, no Richard Sherman. They don't have a run game. Their defensive line is is both hurt and underperforming this year. I don't know what to make of them. So Green Bay has its season out in front of it. Five games left. If they win the next two, they have a, they have a pretty good chance. Just given what the schedules are like around the league. And, and They'll have a chance to beat three of the teams that they're fighting for playoff positioning with. Now, they're not going to catch the Vikings, so that's not relevant, but that would be an enormous win for the team. It would be a huge conference and division win. All of these things have relevance when we're looking at tiebreakers. Now, it's too early to get bogged down into if Team X wins, what does that mean for Team Y? Although we would looked a little bit at it this week. Uh, but we have to focus on this week right now. The Packers denounced that they put running back Ty Montgomery onto injured reserve. Obviously felt like it wasn't worth it to continue to subject him to the hits on his ribs. And those ribs may not have been healing the way that they had hoped. They're calling up Michael Clark from the practice squad. Devon House said yesterday that Michael Clark has, quote, the same talent level as Mike Evans. So... I don't I don't really know what to make of that, but Ty Montgomery's not going to play the rest of the year. So even if Aaron Rodgers does come back, Ty Montgomery will not be a part of the offense now. Aaron Jones could be back this week. If not, he could be he likely will be back at some point this season. And Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams' backfield should suffice and should frankly should still be very good. It's just sad to see a season that that looked so promising for Ty Montgomery end this way. With the injuries, I, I, I don't think this was a, a case of, well, he's small or he's a receiver and so he can't take the beating. No, I think he just, some unfortunate things happened. He got hit in the ribs, he tried to play through it. As a result, the injury got worse. That happens. And I wonder if if he would have been held out longer if Aaron Rodgers hadn't been injured. I, I would expect that he would have been because they could have made do with Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones and, and even Devontae Mays if Rodgers is in the game. He just makes everyone better. They don't have to rush Montgomery back. He wanted to play and he got to play. So there'll be takes from Packer Nation and I understand that. But it's mostly just disappointing to me that Ty Montgomery's season has to end this way. It doesn't make Green Bay's offense, if Aaron, if and when Aaron Jones comes back, considerably less dynamic, though, because of how we've seen Aaron Jones play and how we've seen Jamal Williams play. They can be a, a potent one-two punch for Green Bay. Kevin King also ruled out. Those are two big blows for Green Bay. Now, I think the Kevin King injury is, is a bigger issue. Because you'd like to have two big-bodied corners to throw at Mike Evans, now they'll only have Devon House. I think what you'll see is in base, you'll have Randall and House out there, and then in nickel you slide Josh Hawkins onto the outside and put Demaryius Randall in the slot. Now, what I'd like to see, and I've talk, I talked about it earlier in the week, is Green Bay played some true nickel with three corners and two linebackers uh, last week against the Steelers. In uh, they did it against base personnel for Pittsburgh. And I, I just don't understand the thought process there. You don't need Demarius Randall to cover their tight ends. And so, why don't you push put Josh Jones in the game instead of Randall? Use him like Micah Hyde, where he is the de facto nickelback. And you have Demarius Randall on the field. He's, he's going to play the boundary with Kevin King Hurt. He's already going to be on the field. I'd like to see them find ways to get Josh Jones on the field more often, and I think they will in this game if for no other reason than Tampa Bay has two tight ends that can hurt you. Cameron Brayton and O.J. Howard are both dynamic players. They're both capable of picking up first downs, of creating down the seam. O.J. Howard especially is an outstanding athlete for the position. So I think they need to find a way to have – Haha! Clinton Dix, Morgan Burnett, and Josh Jones on the field all at once, especially against base personnel. Now, Aaron Jones practiced all week in a limited fashion. He's, he's a possible go for Sunday. We'll find out more tomorrow. The same is true for Clay Matthews. The same is true for Kenny Clark. I think the most important of those guys is Clay Matthews because his ability to rush the passer, especially against a depleted and shuffled offensive line for Tampa Bay, would be huge for Green Bay. We don't know what the situation is going to be with the the defensive uh, rotations at linebacker. If he's out, Vince Beagle and Kyler Fackel obviously will have to play more. But we saw Fackrell playing some off-ball linebacker, playing some base in basically the Clay Matthews role when they go to their more traditional 4-3 look with Ryan Matthews. And then, you norm- well, normally Ryan Matthews and Martinez, but on Sunday it was... Ryan Martinez and Fackrell and Fackrell did some nice things with Matthews though it becomes a much more dangerous pass rush because you have Perry you have Brooks who played pretty well against Pittsburgh and then Clay plus the rotation level talent of Beagle and well we all know what Kyler Fackrell is as a player the Kenny Clark injury would be a bigger deal a different week, and it would have been a much bigger deal if he wouldn't have been able to play for the whole Steelers game. But the Buccaneers are a bad running team. Doug Martin is not going to play in this game. And so that injury, if he's not able to play, it's less debilitating to this defense, although you could make the case that he is the best defender right now or has been this season on that defensive front. So... That, is, that would be a huge loss, but as I said earlier in the week, I think Quinton Dial, Montrevious Adams, they ha- they finally have some depth at defensive line. Dean Lowry has played well. So they have rotational guys that can come in and give you snaps, can give you rotational above-replacement level play, and that's just not something you've been able to say about Green Bay's defensive line the last few years. One of the reasons why they ha- they went to this sort of hybrid 2 line uh, two two outside linebacker alignments is because they haven't had enough quality defensive linemen to play any of them. And now that's not the case. And they're able to get to some more traditional personnel in situations where that makes sense to do so. Tampa Bay is is a pretty traditional team in the way that they deploy their personnel. And so you don't have to worry and they don't have the kind of game-breaking talent that Pittsburgh does, at least not at running back. And they don't have the same depth at receiver. Now, obviously, the, the Packers played the Steelers without Juju Smith Schuster, but Martavis Bryant, for all the issues that he has, is extremely talented. He is better than Deshaun Jackson at this point, especially Deshaun Jackson, who's depleted and has already otherwise lost a step. Now, you can find locked on Packers on your smart speaker. Okay, Google, play locked on Packers. Alexa, play locked on Packers. You can also find us on iTunes, and if you find us on iTunes, do me a favor, leave a review. And if you put your name and your Twitter handle in that review, you'll be entered to win a Pro Football Focus Edge subscription. You hear me on the show talk about the Pro Football Focus numbers. I can't watch every game as much as I'd like to. I can't, and I can't chart them, and I I can't go as in-depth as Pro Football Focus can. You can win an Edge subscription that's a $39.99 value, which would get you access to player grades, position ranks, fantasy projections, NFL draft coverage, and a lot more. And all you have to do is put your name and your Twitter handle in a review of this podcast on iTunes. Give us five stars. Tell us why you like the show. Tell us how we could make the show better.
0: David Harrison here, the Locked on Washington football team podcast, celebrating with you a 21 grain salute to a less boring sandwich. Thanks to Dave's Killer Bread. I don't know about you guys, but when I eat pizza, I eat it for the toppings, not the crust. And when I eat a sandwich, it's for what's inside the bread, not for the bread. But when I throw a sandwich on 21 whole grains and seeds, thin sliced bread from Dave's Killer Bread, it is the epitome of addition Visit daveskillerbread.com to learn more and look for Dave's Killer Bread in the bread aisle of your local grocery store.
2: Hey, listen up, FanDuel Fantasy players. Your day is about to get 20% better.
1: Now, Tampa Bay is also a very injured team. On Friday, they ruled out Doug Martin, Robert Ayers, Vernon Hargraves, T.J. Ward, Clinton McDonald, and Josh Robinson. That is a a huge set of contributors to this team. They can't afford to lose Robert Ayers. They're already a bad defense. and They already struggle to rush the passer. They can't afford to lose Vernon Hargraves, who's their best corner. T.J. Ward at safety, who they brought in after he was cut. Clinton McDonald is a rotation defensive lineman, and Josh Robinson is a versatile defensive back for them. Losing all of those guys, especially so many guys on the defensive side, does not put them in a very good position. Green Bay, against a team that plays not a similar scheme, but a zone scheme, got what they wanted against Pittsburgh, against a much much more talented team with much better pass rushers and much better players overall. Green Bay should be able to take advantage of this defense. They are horrid. They're the worst defense in football by yards. They're the worst defense in football. They're the worst defense in football defending the pass. They give up nearly 400 yards of offense a game. The defense is bad, and they're, they've gotten worse thanks to injury. They're allowing a similar number of points per game as Green Bay, in fact, just a tick worse, at over 23 a game, nearly 24, and... It's hard to see Green Bay scoring less than 24 in this game, given the injuries and given the circumstances. Green Bay's playing well, coming off an offensive explosion. They hit some big plays. They're playing with confidence. Brett Hundley is playing with confidence. Jason Spriggs was was more than competent and doesn't have to worry about a scary edge rusher this week. If they can contain Gerald McCoy, they should be able to get what they want on the ground and through the air because there just won't be a lot of pressure on Brett Hundley. We talked about yesterday what Doug Martin means to this offense. He was not was not great even before he was hurt. This was not a great running team before he was hurt. And so now they have to go to Jaquiz Rogers. That's a blow for this offense. Now, I still think Tampa Bay is going to be able to score in this game. They're, they're too skilled. The return of Jameis Winston is obviously a boost for them. And Green Bay could be without its best interior defensive player, one of its best pass rushers, and arguably its best corner. Certainly its best boundary corner at this point. I think Demarius Randall has has regained the mantle of best corner on this team given the way that he's defended the slot the last month and a half. But Tampa Bay is going to be able to score points. That's why having Clay Mac- Matthews back would be so important because they have to be able to pressure Jameis. If they can pressure Jameis, he's going to make mistakes. He's going to force the ball into coverage. Green Bay got the turnovers it needed last week. If they can get turnovers against Tampa Bay, they're going to win. Tampa Bay's defense is not good enough to weather the extra possessions. Green Bay was not able to take advantage of the turnovers against Pittsburgh because they have a good defense. And and Green Bay doesn't have a great offense. Now, against Tampa Bay, if they're able to get two picks and a fumble, I think Green Bay wins by double digits because they're going to score on at least one, if not two or three of those possessions. Just, Just because Tampa Bay can't stop them. If the Packers can manufacture extra possessions, they're going to win. The Bucs beat the heck out of the Trailblazers Thursday night on NBA TV. Giannis, more highlights, facials, SWATS at the end of the first half. He's doing everything. Keep up to date on everything that's happening with Milwaukee Hoops with locked on Bucks the same way that you would stay locked on Packers. This episode is brought to you by Shell.
2: The one with a subscription that delivers new brush heads for just $5. Your teeth deserve this one. Philips One by Sonicare. One up your brushing. Learn more at philips.com slash one. That's p-h-i-l-i-p-s dot com slash o-n-e.
1: As I mentioned yesterday, Evan Smith had the potential to come in and play left guard. He is cleared he got through concussion protocol, so he is going to be the left guard. Kevin Panfield will move from left guard to right tackle, which means multiple backups at multiple positions. Backup center, backup right tackle. Now the center is Joe Hawley, who, who was a starter a couple years ago, but obviously was not starting. is not the preferred starter. And so that was, that's one of the reasons why having Clay Matthews back would be so helpful. But even just having a guy like Ahmad Brooks, this is why you bring him in. Because he is a solid edge player who should be able to win his matchup consistently against a backup. Vince Beagle might be able to do some damage. Kyler Fackrell might even be able to make a play or two against a backup right tackle. Having depth, and this is probably the deepest Packers front seven they've had in a long time, puts them in a position to be able to play well despite injuries. And Tampa Bay, on the other side, they're going to be playing with backups. And the the starters are not great, so the backups are clearly worse. Green Bay should be able to pressure Jameis in this game. It gets even easier if Kenny Clark can play because they can get a push up the middle. Mike Daniels, Kenny Clark in the middle doing stuff, and then you've got Perry Brooks and Matthews on the edges potentially. This defensive front, when healthy, we saw it against Seattle in the first week of the season. They haven't had a lot of reps altogether. I would like to see what the plus-minus is. They don't have that in the NFL. But in in basketball, they use plus-minus to determine how well lineups play together. So like a great example is LeBron with Dwayne Wade and Kyle Korver has a crazy plus-minus. And Kyle Korver and LeBron have a crazy plus-minus. And with other guys on the court, they're just not as good. It it gives you an indication of how well they play together relative to how well they play with other guys. I would love to see how effective this Green Bay defense has been when Matthews, Perry, Daniels, Clark, and Brooks have all been healthy because I don't think they've played very many snaps. They have not played very many games when everyone has been healthy. Obviously, part of that is because Nick Perry has been dealing with this hand injury most of the year. But I think even if we included games in which Perry was playing through an injury, you wouldn't have that many snaps where all those guys were able to be on the field at once. If Matthews and Clark can play, and, and at worst, you hope, next week against Cleveland, barring setbacks from Maud Brooks, who's obviously dealing with a back injury, and Nick Perry, who's still dealing with the hand, they could have those guys back. And that would mean they'd be healthy, theoretically, for the stretch run, which they need. Greg Allman, who, who we had on earlier in the week, I suggest you go back and listen to that show if you haven't done so already. He he tweeted an interesting stat on Twitter on Friday. He said, in the last seven years, the Buccaneers have played 15 quarterbacks playing in their first 16 games. So basically, either rookies or first-time starters. Going back the last seven years, the Buccaneers are 1-14 and 14 in those games. That is incredible. Now, I don't think it means anything in terms of predictive value. Some of that is because they lost the guys like Dak Prescott, and that's just going to happen when you have rookie quarterbacks who come in and play well. But part of it is that this is just a really bad defense, and it doesn't matter if you're playing a, a, an inexperienced quarterback when you have a bad defense. Bad defenses are bad because they're bad all the time. And this is a bad defense. This is a defense you expect Mike McCarthy to have a plan for. And it's a defense that you expect Brett Hundley to play well against. This is the first time he is going to get a chance to face a below average defense. It's easily the worst defense he's faced in his career. And it's the worst defense the Packers will have played all year. If they can't get to 24, that's a huge problem. I think they will. I think they can. And I think they will. I mean, this is a team giving up 400 yards of offense a game. 400. Think about that. That's basically 300 yards passing, 100 yards rushing. That's pretty close to what they're doing. I think they're giving up 285 and 115, or 110, because they're actually giving up 295 a game, or 395, excuse me. Jamal Williams should have some success in this game. That creates play-action opportunities for Brett Hundley. They can attack down the field. Tampa Bay does not have a corner capable of of covering Devontae Adams, And, and they don't need to in part because they play zone, but they also play off which is great for Devontae because he can one-cut-and-go. He can make a man miss in the open field, and, and you've got problems. If the Buccaneers have to play Robert McLean and Ryan Smith, those guys are clearly not as good as Vernon Hargraves. They're not as good as Brent Grimes, who's who's getting up there in age. The safeties are inconsistent. Chris Conte, the Packers know Chris Conte very well. There'd be something poetic about beating Chris Conte in a game that the Packers needed to win because their starter had a had a collarbone injury. That week 17 game against the Bears, Chris Conti blows the coverage that allows Green Bay to throw the, the game winner to Randall Cobb on fourth down. He's a starting safety for Tampa Bay. This is a game Greg Allman said earlier in the week that he he just thought the Buccaneers were too banged up and he predicted a 31-20 game. I felt like that was a little generous and was was a was accounting a little too much for how Green Bay played against Pittsburgh, but the more I think about it, the more I think he's He's right. I don't think Green Bay wins by double digits, but I think Green Bay wins. I think 28-24, but I could see Green Bay getting to 30. I could also see Tampa Bay getting to 30. This could be a shootout. But I think defensively, Tampa Bay is that much worse than Green Bay is defensively. And I don't think, frankly, I don't think Green Bay is any worse offensively than Tampa Bay. I really don't. Especially relative to the defense they're going to be facing. So we'll see. Hopefully we'll see Aaron Rodgers practicing on Saturday. Hopefully we see Green Bay win on Sunday. We come back Monday, we talk about Green Bay facing a probably winless Cleveland Brown team with Aaron Rodgers practicing with Green Bay a game closer to running the table and a circumstance closer to getting their all-world quarterback back. Monday could be awesome. That means you need to stay locked on Packers.